Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. I was weeping. I was crying my eyes. Not nothing. Sadness. And just thankfulness. Because I knew God was real. And I knew he just told me. Right? And put it in layman's terms. Bobby. See, I'm going to bring you to a cell. I'm going to show you the stuff that you fell in love with, the stuff that ruins your life. Yeah. And you're going to have your body screaming for it. But in the middle of it, I'm going to take it away. And I'm going to show you my power. And he did that. And it takes me up every time I think about that because that moment cemented my... I'm still saved. Yeah. But that cemented my total and utter belief that God... In his mercy and kindness, died on the cross to set me free, and that he's promised me that he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me, and he promised me in the middle of it, he has me. And to this day, and I struggle with issues, and I'm not the only super Christian, none of us are. Yeah. I have difficulties, ups and downs, but he's always been a faithful God to me, and he always will be. And I know that from that moment. Hello and welcome to Testimony, an encouraging look at how God works in people's lives. Welcome to Series 2 of Testimony. We've had a break over Christmas and now we're back to bring more stories of how God works in people's lives. This episode looks at the life of Robbie Rogers and how God took a man who was a drug dealer and in and out of prison most of his adult life and changed him by his grace into a wonderful example of how God saves Now, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. How's yourself? Yeah, good, thanks. Have you been kept yeah. COVID-free and everything? No, we've all got it. We've had it. Every one of us had a little one. So no COVID-free. Well, we're COVID-free now. <laughs> but we, we all had it. So we we impacted much by COVID? Obviously, we all got it. My wife got it. She, she wasn't great. Dylan, my lad, he was in hospital. And then me and Alana, that's my other little girl, she, she, we were all right. We weren't too bad. First night had like cold sweats and stuff like that, but yeah, I was all right then. So was she, you know what I mean? So when I got tested for it, I didn't expect to be positive. Yeah. But I don't want to be stuck and everybody else stuck in the house because it's, it's lockdown, isn't it? Yeah. Bad enough as it is. <laughs> Although I suppose I'm well used to getting locked up. Anyway, <laughs> doesn't bother me that much, to be honest. No. At least, at least you locked up with people you like. You like this time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Dan? How are you? Yeah, I'm doing okay, thanks. Let's start at the best place first. Let's pray, brother. Heavenly Father, again, bow in your presence now. This is for your glory. 
I just pray that that is the case when I ever give a testimony or speak about how you saved me. And just praise you for your amazing grace. You are a good God. You are a great God. And we just want to bring glory and honor. We pray that everything that's said and done today, you will put the words in my mouth and you will put the questions in Dan's mind to ask and that everything that's said uh, will just bring glory to you. Father, again, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the day we were saved. Help us never to forget your amazing grace, your amazing power. Father, again, just place this in your hand. I'll ask him for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I always begin by asking about the home they grew up yeah. in and any influence that Christianity might have played, whether it was through Sunday school or maybe there was no influence at all. So, Robbie, over to you. Yeah, so family life, when I grew up in, I wouldn't say a staunchly Catholic house, but we, we were Catholics and we went to Mass every Sunday. To be honest, when I look back now as being a Christian, I mean, to be honest, there was no, uh, there was no input. It was you went to mass and, and you went through the motions you just ticked the boxes i remember when we used to go to a different mass closer to my housing estate but when i was a real young kid we used to go to the main church which was probably about a mile away from our housing estate and you would go to that church <laughs> and then you would look in see what priest was saying mass and then just get off and as long as you could come back to your house and say well he read from that and that was the priest. That was it. You were covered. But okay. then we used to go to a mass in a school, which is just basically off our housing estate. And I remember going to it loads of times, even as a kid, and just thinking to myself, what's this all about? And I remember I was about 12, and I remember saying to me, well, one Sunday morning, we all get ready to go to mass. And I said, look, Mum, I'm not going. To her credit, she didn't make me go, but she asked me why. And, and I said it to her, honestly, I said, look, doesn't make sense. I said, none of it makes sense because I, I know that now, you know, you, you never seen anybody walking in with Bibles and it was that, it was that vain rhetoric, that, that repetitive stuff that the Bible always talks about, vain repetition. Well, that's what it is. And even now, this is, I, I've said this to people before and they say, ah, how could you link that? You see Islam and see Catholicism very similar in the mindset of brainwashing technically in a way because even now that this is honest i'm being as honest as i can somebody started reading i believe one holy apostolic church you read that this priest reads that half and then you say the other half and you know what if, if a priest started to do that around me your brain would kick into gear and say the other part of it said holy <laughs> and you would repeat it but Honestly, and, and your brain would do that. But growing up in Catholicism, it meant nothing. So did you have any belief in God? Yes, I always, I always believed there was a God. I, I had no understanding, and still, no massive understanding of God. I just know his grace and his mercy. And you learn by things he does in your life and how you learn. But yeah, I always believed that there was a God. Always. I'm just so thankful that I'm saved now because I realize where I could could have gone to hell. Got to be thankful for that. Yeah. But now I always believed there are God. And, and even in the middle of all the crimes and stuff that I used to do and all that, I thought I would stand in front of God like lots of people say, but I had no standing. I'm so thankful he saved me. Yeah. So where was home for you? 
in Dublin in a, in a, in a town called Balbriggan County, Dublin. Little, it's it's got much bigger now, but it's still one little small fishing village basically with massive housing estates all around it. I mean, nothing's nothing stopping building these days. But yeah, so I grew up in crime-ridden area, just like a lot of people, isn't it? Yeah. So, at what age did you start and fall into crime? Probably 13, 14, yeah. I started selling weed cannabis. That's what I started selling. I used to look out the back window, because they used to sell it at the back of my house. I, I lived on a gable end house where there was an entryway, an alleyway, and they used to always sell it there. So I used to look out the window and think, yeah, I'd love to have a go at that. And I was still going to school and all. That's, that's the thing. I loved school, Dan. Okay. A lot of people hated school. I, I loved school. I think that was the last thing that held me from going to jail or going off deep end with school. You know, so I used to look out the window and then I got into running for them lads and hiding the drugs for them. And then further, further on the line, I got into supplying them lads drugs and blah, 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 you know. So is it a slippery slope from one one crime into the next one, into the next one, into a bigger one, into a bigger one? Well, it, it can be for some people, and, and sometimes it's not for others. That life attracted me because, you know, my mum often said that to me, you know, of all of us, all of us kids, she said she had high hopes for me because I was in all the top AA classes and, I could have gone to college, could have done all that, because I could have done, I could have done all of that. But that that life, it attracts you, the, the danger, the whole lot. I, I wanted to be in that. That's a choice I made. But when you progress, we we done it along them lines where we just, you know, we started to mess about selling bigger. As I said, we started selling to the dealers that I started running around for. Then we were selling to them. So we started a lot of drugs. We started selling cocaine, ecstasy. Never sold heroin. But the problem got worse when I first took heroin. That's when my life completely spiraled into madness. I was still doing all that stuff. You know what I mean? Selling and doing that. But I fell in love with heroin. Yeah. So how did that come about? You going from being a seller to a user? A party one night, just one night in a house party. Uh, this was when I don't know what they sell ecstasy. I'm well out of the drug scene. I'm clean as a whistle. My life was complete. I'm married, three kids, job. When we were selling ecstasy tablets, they were twenty pound a tablet. Do you know what I mean? That's that's when they were all forced out late eighties, early nineties, and we were making so much money on them that. You used to go to the nightclubs and, and you'd have money stuffed down your stocking, down your shoe. You wouldn't even look at what people could have been handing you tissue paper. You wouldn't even look at you to give them and stick it all. But we got back from the nightclubs back to the house party and a, and a guy that I know, Richie McNichols, dead, overdosed on heroin, gone years and years ago. But uh, he was in the toilet and we were banging on the toilet to get in because there was me and my two mates we wanted to get in to count all the money because it was between us all. Okay. So that's what we always done. We always went to a nightclub, told everybody where the, the house we were going to, and then it would continue on in that house. Everybody would be arriving in taxis. So we went just to square out the money and, and count it. So your man Richie McNichols was in the toilet smoking heroin, and then we got it. And I'd been in and out of jail a few times at this stage. And I remember looking at 
heroin addicts and looking at them and thinking, yeah, you know, why do they take that dirt and stuff like that? But when we got in, we were high as kites on coke. He had it on the file. And do you know what? We all had to go. And then I fell head over heels in love with it that night. Some other people don't like it. That's good. Well, I was the opposite end. It made me feel so great. That's how all drugs and alcohol and everything else, it's all designed to do that, isn't it? Change your mindset, change all that. And then got right into that. thing is, I was never running around robbing for a 10 bag. We'd done all that, sold drugs and robbed and done all that, right through all the addiction. We'd be running around, that's why I've explained, that strung out the bits, you know, like that, just yeah. like, a, you know what I mean, so put all dressed in the nicest clothes and thinking that everything's all great and rosy when people must have been looking on thinking, He's just a junkie all dressed up, you know what I mean? But yeah. you, you don't look at it. And then we were renting houses. So I never had the experience of being, oh, I've got to get a 10 bag, or I've got to get this, I've got to get that. It was just that whole life. But the madness, yeah, I was always mad. But see, when we got into heroin, it turns you into a monster. Because yeah. that's what we were. We, we were running in and, you know what I mean, holding families hostage with guns to the kids' heads marching owners down to places opening up the saves and I'm not making this oh gangster wasn't great I'm absolutely ashamed of that Dan. and I've always yeah. said that I don't glorify this life but I know I've forgiven that I know every lie that I've told every crime that I've committed I know it's all being dealt with place on that beautiful man was placed on Jesus Christ yeah. that's who we're here to talk about and where he's took me from so yeah, you're embarrassed about those things but I'm forgiven those Yeah. Praise God for that. Amen. I don't want to dwell on the drug scene. We could talk for a long time on that, but as you say, it doesn't yeah. doesn't glorify anything. So, no, But I would like no. to touch on the fact that you mentioned you'd already been in prison at this point. What was your experience of the whole thing? Yeah. So you know what? You won't truly get that unless you've been in jail. But see me, I knew I was destined for jail. Yeah. From from an early stage, I just knew it myself. You know what I mean? Because you just know, Dan. You know, right? There's a build up of charges, and, and you're getting into trouble regular and regular. And you're going to the courts, and the judge has been lenient, and he's saying this and he's saying that. And I'm going to send you to jail, so And you know it. You, you, know, you know. I remember years ago, we I was in court. This this was when I got my first sentence. I got remanded in custody for a week. You know, to give me a fright. And I remember it then. And I don't know how other people have been. I remember finally, and I got sent for a week away and was in the police station and brought it to, to, to young offenders. And I'm sitting in reception, going through and change into the prison clothes and do all that. And I was just going through everything, just, just carrying on. And I remember going up to the cell and he locked me in that night. And I was sitting on the end of the bed and thinking, right. I can do this because I watched it. I came up the wing and I just seen what was happening, seen how things were, seen what you do. And I thought to myself, I can do this. And it was, and it never frightened me. And I thought, and you know what? Jail's not hard. So not. Some people find them hard. Being in jail saved my life more times than in hot dinners, being strung out a bit in the outside, living anarchy. Do you know what? Sometimes I was glad to be locked up. Yeah. Honestly, Dan, sometimes I've come in into a prison, lay back in bed and went, oh, 
<laughs> Honestly, people would think, what? That's because of the chaos that I live. I live my life, the stuff that I've done and in a week that people wouldn't do in a lifetime of madness, yeah, craziness. Honestly, and it wears you down. It just wears you down. It is something, Robbie, when going to prison is the common part of your life. It tells you what yeah. your life must have been like outside. Yeah. Chaos, man. Just absolute chaos. And that's that's what I'm saying to you. The stuff, you know, you could tell stories. And again, not to glorify it all, but you could tell. I could tell you loads and loads and loads. Madness, funny things, sad things, happy things, scary things, dangerous things. All of that. And that would be over the space of two or three days or a week of madness. And my life was just constantly like that. Yeah. Day after day, week after week, month after month, chaos. And you know what I mean? I, I've often given in testimony, you know, where they used to say, I'd be the life and soul of the party, and have everything all heroin, you know, crack and guns, and everybody would think you're great. And then when they were all gone, I used to curl up on the sofa and cry in my eyes, you know, not just have a little wind, just cry because, like a wounded animal, because they don't understand what's going on in there. It's just, it's just, it's a horrible feeling man, to live that over and over. And people often say to you, well, why didn't you just change and all that? You don't know any better. And Satan had me right in his grip. And yet God in his grace and mercy, even though he let me, God never told me to go and rob banks and build societies. God never said stick a needle in your head. But God allowed in that madness, so I mean, he allowed me to go along for years and years before he saved me. Yeah. So if you were to, to total it up and give an, an approximate, how long do you think you spent in prison over the different periods of time? Donkey's years, man. Well, my, my last prison sentence was four and a half years. The one before that was seven years. Okay. The one before that was five years. The one before that was three years, 12 months, six months, four months. Is most of my adult life, I was either in prison or on the run. Right. And in them gaps, it was chaos. Okay. So let's move on to the point of the interview, which is not the past you've lived. That just brings us to the yeah. point that we want to deal with. But at what point did you become a Christian? How did that come about? Yeah, I tell you that. This, this is an amazing thing. And again, when, when I give testimonies, because sadly, and this is, I don't want to slate other Christians, but sadly, I speak to other Christians and I tell them how I got saved. And you see the faces, the dubiousness on the face, because oh, it's not. It's, it, listen, I'll, I'll always say this, Dan, and I'll never shy away from it to anybody. Listen, God saves, not man, not churches, and if he uses this way or that way or whatever way, God will do how he wants to, you know what I mean, how he does. Because yeah. I don't have to justify I know the Lord. I love the Lord, Dan. So I don't. that's not a justification from me. You know what I mean? I remember I had my mate Brendan. He was he was living in a flat in, in Liverpool. I was actually living in a hostel first. And I remember saying, you know what, when I moved, and I believe God was in that, even in those days of getting my mind to this stage, because I'd started doing a methadone script okay. in Liverpool. This is when I was on the run from a prison. So I won't go back into that, but that's what I was. I was on the run from a prison when I got saved, you see. So I'm living in Liverpool under a different name. And uh, so 
I ended up getting a flat in Liverpool, and, and I'm saying in the hostel, when I move into that flat, I'm stopping heroin. And you know what, praise God, I did. I just was still smoking cannabis, but just on a methadone program. Okay. And uh, I remember I had Brendan, and he was still using, coming in and out. And I still wasn't, I wasn't using heroin, which was amazing. But but I remember my mate Ollie, which he was sadly dead. Uh, he overdosed uh, last year to take his funeral, sadly. Yeah, he came over. He, he'd left the treatment centre. He'd come over clean. But I remember when he come over and talked to himself. And this was an inner thing. Again, I know it was God working there, but you don't know that. It's, it's hindsight. It's a great thing, isn't it? But yeah. I remember when Ollie arrived over, and he was clean. He wasn't using that. He started smoking a bit of weed and stuff like that as well. But when he came in, I had this feeling that I can't do this no more. I just, because this is what happened with all of us lads. If I lived with Brendan, and I was strung out on drugs. Me and him would be down there and robberies left, right and centre because that's what me and him thought. Okay. So when Ollie came, Ollie was more than rip-off mates, scams, stuff like that. So when you were with him, that's what you'd be doing. And then when we all got together, it always exploded. Do you know what I mean? It always went mad. And I remember looking and Ollie came over and he was there for a couple of days. And I, I was thinking in the head, there's not another chance on the wheel for me. I knew it myself. I thought, I can't do this. And I remember going to a cut that Paddy's Wigwam, the cathedral, the Catholic cathedral. And, and I remember even going into praying to God. And I wasn't saved. And I wasn't even looking for God, really. But I remember going in there and praying and saying silly stuff and that. But then I walked down through uh, Liverpool to East End. Good friend of mine was preaching the gospel, like Andrew. But it wasn't what he said, Dan. It was... I stopped, and again, it's God. God is in control of all of these. I was on the way to get my methadone okay. to the chemist, and uh, I, I looked the first time, and I carried on, didn't even stop. Went, got me methadone, then I come back up the same street, and uh, he was preaching away, and I stopped, and I listened. I don't know where he was preaching. He was preaching the gospel from wherever. It wasn't what he was saying. I had a compulsion in me to, to just go over and tell somebody, and it's funny that, because... God's in the tiny details. Because I, as I said, I grew up in Catholicism. I never heard the gospel. You don't. It's just rhetoric. And, uh, so I went over and I said to him, I said, you know what, mate? I said, I'm lost. I said, I have enough. I said, I can't do it anymore. And he offered me to come up to the church and all that. And so I gave them the address and they come and they picked me up that Sunday. And I, I went to the little hall, gospel hall, Davis Street, Liverpool. It was, the best way I just always call it is quaint, because that's what it was. It was just quaint. People were coming in. Not, I know what it is now. It was just Christian love and kindness. People were coming in, hugging me and shaking my hand. And, and my whole life was about manipulation. That's so I'm looking at these people and thinking, why are you being nice to me? What's your anger? What, what? <laughs> what do you want? They wanted nothing. They just wanted to tell me about Jesus. But that's, that's where your mindset is. That's where the criminal's mind is. I don't even criminal human nature and in general is like that, you know. So I sat in the meeting and it was nice, they sang and everybody was kind, but they'd done the best thing you can ever do for anybody. They gave me a Bible. And again, God's in control of all of that. I remember leaving that meeting, going home, and over the days and days and weeks, I started to read. And I remember going up then, I think it was the following week, 
on the week after the following week and I was late for the meeting and David Singer was meant to come down and pick me up but he was late and it was lashing rain and, and I had a massive attack from the end ago but I was sitting there and I was so angry with myself I was thinking no the devil was in me here because yeah. he was saying who do you think you are me? what would God if there is a God what would God want with you look what you've done all the crimes that I've done you know holding guns I believe God used even a wrong thing to, to get me up because I've got a bit of a temper. So he reached into me and put this idea into me head. And I believe God done that to, to stop the devil, do you know what I mean, to get me out. Because that was the night I got saved, you see. Yeah. And, and I had it in my mind saying, no way. These Christians have brainwashed me. <laughs> They've got it in my head. Robbie, the biggest manipulator you'll ever get, could blag your head in seconds. You've just been scammed. <laughs> I was so annoyed. I was so angry that I got up, matched up, silly jacket on. By the time I got to Dane Street, I'd calmed down. And then I came in and I sat in the meeting and sat down. The meeting was like before, and he sang a few hymns. And then he began to preach the gospel. But then, and this is a genuine thing. This happened to me. It's unnatural to me. But then God is amazing how he does do. That preacher, now I couldn't believe it. He started saying things. Now he was carrying on preaching the gospel. I know what happened now. I said that God was bringing me under conviction because that preacher started saying things. I can't remember what he meant. Lots of people ask me now, well, what was he saying on me? But crimes and, and stuff, it was sin that I'd committed me. And yeah. I felt the tone next to him saying, how does he know that about me? And I was, going, I was nearly going to stand up and say, how do you know that about me? But I was just in shock. Now, I know what that was. That was God himself shining the light and knowing my heart. Yeah. Because God saved me that night. And I, I have no doubts in my mind. But I didn't ask Jesus into my life. I didn't say a special prayer. I yeah. didn't even know I got saved that night. This is why it's of God. But God knew my heart, brought me on the conviction of my sin, and saved me and came and lived in me that night. As I walked out of that and I know what it is now, but I could never have explained it then. The Spirit of God came to live with me. But I walked out like I was on cloud nine. But I hadn't got a clue. And nobody said, oh, you've just been saved. Because nobody had a clue. I didn't have a clue. So I went back to the flat. Two mates were there. And I remember two days later, I got my joy there the whole day. And I remember even, not even planning it, I just knew. And I literally walked out the door. You know where I walked out with funny enough? A pouch of tobacco and a Bible. I left everything behind, left my clothes, left everything behind. Went back to Dublin, stayed in Dublin in a hostel, in a, in a homeless shelter that one night and then went straight up to Northern Ireland the next day, rang the, the, the busy station, the police station. And that that was unheard of because they were wondering why would a free stater, which is me, because even if I was caught in the Republic of Ireland, they would have had to extradite me because it's British rule. Yeah. So I still would have had to be an extradite. Nobody, why would I step over the border and ring in the police station? So I rang them to the, I'm on the run. And he was saying, oh, so look, I'm on the road, I want to have myself in, so he took me in. I remember sitting in a pair of handcuffs stand in a newly police station. And I said to the cop, I said, uh, can I have my Bible? And he started laughing. He said, no, seriously. I said, can I have the Bible? And I said, because it's in that bag. I saw that. 
they opened the bag and looked. He said, it is a Bible. I said, yeah. Now, I didn't know I was a Christian. didn't know I served. didn't know any of that. This yeah. is why it's all of God. So I ended up going into prison, getting clean, coming down off all the stuff on them. And I remember going to see the medic. It was a little bit different. It's a lot, lot worse over there now. But, but then, this is you're going back 20 odd years now, isn't it, really? But back then, it's it was not as much heroin in Northern Ireland. So when I said to the medic, coming down off the methadone and going down five meals every two weeks or whatever I had planned in the head, he said, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. I said, look, I'm not asking you. I said, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm telling you. This is the way I want it. So, and even in all of that, I got down off all the meth. I remember, yeah, this, this is when, because I was reading the word, this is what I'm saying. This is, I was just reading the Bible, reading the Bible all the time. And they got a job on the wings where your door is open in the day and you're cleaning up the wings of that. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you a little story before I finish, tell you where, where God, Really, this is this first makes it real and always will be to me, no matter if I lose my mind tomorrow. This is why I know God is real. But I'll, I'll tell you that now in a second. But I remember when I was on the wings and I was I was reading and reading, reading the Bible, and this amazing God God brought this Christian fellowship man, and he'd been coming by my door, by my door for probably a week, two weeks. And every time he looked in, I was just sitting reading the word, reading the word. So he stopped to one day. Norman Corpus is his name. Lovely, lovely brother. I was speaking to him about two years ago. And uh, he stopped me. He said, hi, kid. He said, can I speak to you? I said, of course you can. He said, I've been coming by your door for the last two weeks. He said, I said, I know I've seen you. He said, <laughs> he said uh, and every time I look in, he said, you're reading the Bible. He said, are you a Christian? He said, and I looked at him. And I said, what's a Christian? This is how it's all of God, man. Yeah. You know, I am blazing on the wing, telling people about Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? And reading the Bible. And I didn't know I was a Christian. didn't know I was saved. didn't know any of that. I knew I was changed. Yeah. But even that, you don't, it, it wasn't uncomfortable to me. It was like I'd just gone into a new skin and a new body without even knowing it and just carried on as if that was the way it was. So I spoke to him for a while and then, you know, and I thank God for sending him and not somebody else because he didn't start coming in and going, do, 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 to me, he didn't even, and then I understood, right, that's what it is, I've been saved, so that's why, that's how I'm like this, and I understood it to a certain degree then, and then that's when I started going down off all the drugs, all the, all the methadone and that, and I got to the very end and, and I was rattling, this is a, uh, withdrawals basically and you don't really sleep you don't really sleep at all okay and i remember i had, had weeks of that and i remember reading the bible one corinthians 10 told you they had no temptation taking you but such as common to man but god is faithful and will not let you suffer more than you're able and in the it will create a way of escape so you may be able to bear it and that that was an amazing verse now i i must have just read that read that read that I remember shutting the Bible down. I remember this, these are all real things to me that has cemented my faith in God because I read that and I remember saying to him, I said, well, you know what? If you were real, God, and you were because you've changed me and I know it and I know all of this thing about being saved, this is the way I was talking to God and this is the way I still talk to God because it's not interesting in all my eloquent words or lack of eloquence. It's just honest, isn't it? Just yeah. speak to him like this. So that's how I speak to the Lord. 
And that's what I said to him. So if you're real, God, and I do believe you're real, and I do believe you're saved, I said, well, just show me something. And I don't mean that to put one on God, because God doesn't always act like a puppet. But, you know, for that thing, he knew what I meant. See that? And I, lots of people think I'm going to tell them, oh, I had the best night sleeping. Well, I didn't. I would drill all that night, still dying sick. But I come out onto the wings the next day, and I come into a friend's cell, and two of them sitting there, one sitting smoking heroin, another one is hitting up here. And I'm standing in this cell, man, and my body is screaming for that drug because it will take the pain away. Yeah. I see from my mind was gone. And I was sitting there and I was looking at it and this whole do you know what I mean, things going on in my mind and thinking, Well, my my body wants that and it's aching for it. But you know what? My mind was telling me, You don't want that and there was it wasn't even a battle, it was just this whole storyline, whatever you want to call it, I can't get the right words for it going on and I stayed in myself for the whole of recreation. Yeah which is probably about an hour and a half, and I talked to them as none of them knew what was going on in my head. You know, I was sitting there, and I remember just thinking, that this is real. And when the men got back to the cell, they were all going for dinner. I didn't even go for the dinner. I shut the door, and I got on my knees, and I was weeping, I was crying my eyes. Not, not in sadness, just thankfulness, because I knew God was real, and I knew he just told me, Right, and put it in layman's terms. Robbie, see, I'm going to bring you to a cell, and I'm going to show you the stuff that you fell in love with, the stuff that ruins your life, yeah. and you're going to have your body screaming for it, but in the middle of it, I'm going to take it away, and I'm going to show you my power. And he did that, and it takes me up every time I think about that, because that moment cemented my... I was still saved, yeah. but that cemented my total and utter belief that God in his mercy and kindness died on the cross to set me free and that he's promised me that he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me and he promised me in the middle of it, he has me and to this day and I struggle with issues and I'm not the only super Christian none of us are, yeah. I have difficulties ups and downs but he's always been a faithful God to me and he always will be and I know that from that moment. Yeah, that was the proof you needed, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. And I, even if I lose my mind tomorrow, then that is cemented deep yeah. within me. And I've got to show me loads more things since then. Loads and loads of amazing stuff and tough stuff and how to be reliant on them. And yeah, yeah, you could, we could all tell thousands of stories like that, couldn't we, of God's faithfulness and of God's allowing stuff because he's allowed stuff sometimes and I'm doing a hand in the hand saying what what's going on here God? I'm doing everything right for you and you're born that on me but yeah. well he's always faithful always always yeah so just to move the, the testimony on when I first met you mm. you were living in Manchester and you were involved with Wesley and Alison Downs so how do you get yeah. from you're a Christian you've gone back into prison mm. And you've obviously come out. How did you end up in Manchester? Yeah, it's amazing. Now, God, God was in control of all that as well. So what happened was when I got saved and was back in prison, I thought to myself, do you know what? I'll write to these Christians. In, in, and so I sent a letter to David Street Church. Okay. And uh, so they replied to me. And I told them, oh, look, I'm a Christian, blah, blah, blah. So they replied to me and said, oh, that's great, wonderful. And uh 
Stephen Baker come over to see me. So I talked to him and all that. And all I wanted really, Dan, was this, this is why I was another one of them amazing things when you just say, wow, God, you are so good. Because I, I didn't want to go back to Liverpool because I didn't know whether the lads were still there. And I just knew Liverpool. I don't think back many times to Liverpool now, but then yeah. I wasn't meant to be there. And when this is the thing, whoever is going to watch this, if you've just become a Christian or you're thinking about becoming a Christian, listen, sometimes you just got to cut it all off. Sometimes you just got to, and then sometimes it might be loved ones or whatever, you know what I mean? You just got to leave it all behind. That's what I had to do. I had to just cut it off. I loved my two brother mates. They were like brothers to me. I loved them. We were with each other 24 hours a day. We had to get, you know what I mean? Slept in the same bed sometimes together. That's how close of a bond. Yeah, and then I cut that and walked away from it. Yeah. And and sometimes that may, and that may be what God will get you to do. If you listen to this, maybe you will have to. It doesn't always happen like that. But for me, this is what it was, was a cut-off. So I didn't want to go back to Liverpool. So I said, look, do me a favour. Get us some hostels in Manchester. You know, some names of places, and I'll get them you know, to, to ring up and try and get a place. Yeah. So I left that with them, and... Uh, so then Stephen Baker come over and I spoke to him for a little bit and he went back. And then I got a letter saying, oh, of David, uh, David Singer said, oh, we've got you a job and we've got you somewhere to live in Stockport. I thought, whoa, no way. <laughs> and when I prayed to the Lord, just saying, thank you, God, that's amazing. And then Wesley come to speak to me. He came over from and, and see me in the jail. I remember asking him about this a few times, saying, well, what? What did you think? He said, well, Rob, he said, after I spoke to you for five minutes, he said, I knew you were a Christian. Because the thing is, I had, God could have kept me in Davis Street then, and he could have kept me in that meeting. Then, but he, he didn't. He sent me to his cell for 18 hours a day, yeah. where that didn't bother me. And just the word, the word, the word. And I was coming out and speaking and blazing for the Lord. But yeah, I had no influence from anybody else. And this That's what Wes told me. You know what I mean? Afterwards, when I, I asked him, what did you think? But then when he come over and I spoke to him, and I remember saying to him, because I was on fire, I was blazing for the Lord. I was just full of the joys of the Lord. I was floating, man, all around the prison, that sort of thing. I was just, just amazing. And uh, I remember saying to him, I said, Wes, I said, you ask me anything you like. I said, even if it's close to the bone or whatever else. And I have nothing to hide from you. I said, yeah. and even if it hurts me to say, I said, you, you ask me, aren't you want this? I'll be totally transparent with you. And I always have been with Wes and Alison. So I end up getting out there and moving, moving into their basement. They are a wonderful couple. I'll see them. Yeah. If you ever come across Wesley and Alison, <laughs> if, you, if you listen to this, they are just absolute godsend. They, they love the Lord and they've placed, uh, they've, they've given up so much. For people like me, you know, you have to take your heart off them. So I, I couldn't agree with God you more. Is, yeah, they're they're absolutely amazing. They yeah, really God blessed me for them. You know, for me, Dan, I don't know it's for other people because all you can ever talk about is yourself. Because I know me, and for me, I didn't just need a place to live. I needed people around me. I needed love and kindness. And you know what? From day one. When I moved into their house, they bring you up and you have your own room downstairs. Yeah. They don't bother you. And they come in and they'll make sure you're all right. But it was being around the family table. You know, they, they sacrifice their kids and all. I, 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 
I'm amazed at that. Yeah. Because they're good kids. They have all good kids, but then they had the sacrifice to live in the middle of the house and all. So I wouldn't go into that, like, but I always understood that. And they were always welcomed me. They were always quiet. But that's what I needed to grow. And, and I was disciple from that. And then from Renewal Northwest, Wesley and Allison started that up years ago. It was started in the attic of our church, and lads getting saved, coming from prison, sorry, in the Windsor area. They started building computers in, in our church, and then it grew into getting a unit, and then it's, it's grown massively. It's flying along now at the moment. Yeah. yeah. But then, then I, I came to work there, so it was work in the charity, do, do your bits and pieces, and go to the church that they went to. And just, you're basically literally around them all the time. Yeah. But some, some of the lads that come in the program struggle with that. I loved it because it was structure, it was love and kindness and growing, and, you know what I mean? All of that stuff that years ago it was never I do what I want when I want and you won't tell me any different yeah I run my own life sling your hook you know what I mean but, and they didn't tell me what to do but it was the structure of getting up going to work and being challenged by things and, and I worked in a labour lot and I, I I manage the place I'm one of the managers in Renewal Northwest now so yeah yeah so what I want to do is, if you if we could just talk about your family life briefly, and then we'll come back because I'd like you to just elaborate on the work that Renewal Northwest do. Yeah. But tell me a little bit about your family life now, your wife and your children, if yeah. if you want to. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no they're, they're amazing. So my, my wife, it goes right back for 20 odd years, and 20, 25, 26 years, something like that, we, we, we knew each other, you know. I'd been in and out of her life loads of times. She moved over to Ireland when I got locked up and, and all sorts. But it's amazing how God brought that about because, see, my wife, my wife has found me loads of times in Liverpool. You know, when I'd, I'd, I'd go off on my married travels and I'd end up getting locked up and write her a letter and blah, blah, blah. But she, she found me, sussed me out in hostels a few times around Liverpool. She's always found yeah. But then, Amazingly, I, I lost all contact. Nobody wanted anything, you know, me, family, mum and dad and all that in Ireland. And I don't blame them, but everything's absolutely amazing at the moment. My family's all on board. I could go home to me mum, stay in her house, no problems. Really? Back in the day, I wouldn't have, if she would cross the other side of the road away. We seriously did that one way. Yeah. And you can't blame them because of chaos. I, I brought, and police to hoard or mortar and then hot dinners and I never lived in one since I was about fifteen. Yeah. They still used to kick the door off the hinges, you know what I mean? So all of that. But then I was talking to me down the phone, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, I was talking to me down the phone, he said, there's a letter here for you and it was off the ways my wife, you know, she wasn't my wife then. So I got the letter and I thought, Oh way so I rang her up then and uh, I went to meet her then, and I come up and I met her then. And amazingly, without going into that detail, because it's her testimony more than that. Yeah. I introduced her to the Lord, and, and again, even in that, and God done the work. You know, I ended up praying, just step out of it, I'll step back, you know what I mean, and, and not push it down. And I never did, but God, God spoke to her. We have a son, he's, he's disabled, you know I mean? he's got... Okay special needs and a bright lad lovely lad there's nothing wrong with his brain but his body doesn't do without going into detail about him it doesn't yeah. do what he wants it to do but 
I'd been telling her about the Lord and got her a Bible. And do you know what? That, that was what I was doing. I was just praying, 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 getting everybody else to pray. And we weren't going out or at this stage. I was just coming up as friends. And uh, she said to me one day, because Dylan speaks, but only when he wants to or whatever else. Okay. She said, and, and I'd been telling her all about the Lord. And, and she seemed, she, she knew, she knew me and my heroine days. She knew all that. We went out way, way back. So she knew who I was beforehand. And she was looking at living proof that something has happened to me. Yeah. So obviously God was using that, praise God for that. But again, it's God the same, not me or my words. So I stayed out with them. But she was in the kitchen one day at a home, the other house. We had just moved into a new house. So and she was in the kitchen and she rang me up. This is, I was living in, in Stockport at the time. She rang me up. She said, oh, she said this is going to sound mad to you. She said, but I want to tell you anything. She said, I was standing in the kitchen the other day, or, or today, that was that same day she rang me. She said, and uh, I heard Dylan say, God is good. Wow. You know what I mean? Right? This, honestly, well, this this is what cemented it for her. This is how God spoke yeah. directly to her. And she said, right, I stopped to be sad. So I, am I hearing things? <laughs> or what did I just think that? But she knew. Because you know, you know I, I think Dylan's probably a, a closer relationship with God than any of us, to be honest. Really bright lad, and you speak to him about the Lord, he lights up, you know, which is amazing. Yeah. But God used him to speak to her about that, and then God done lots of yeah. So she ended up getting saved, and then got baptized in our church and all that. And then we got married, started going out, then got married. So we've had two kids at that stage. So Dylan and Alana. And then we've had another little baby now, Liliana. She's 13 months old. Great. Yeah, fun and games with her. So yeah, it's it's a busy life. I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for the world. And life is good. That's all I ever want is a wife, kids, job, stuff like that. Leave here, but and it, it's challenging. It's hard because of Dylan's need. Yeah. So I mean, commuting and stuff like that. We we have hard days. Hard days are, are tough. Hell going. And he's 25 okay, and he can get ill the drop of a hat you know, yeah. and stuff like that. So it's a constant thing like that. But yeah, it's good. We just moved into this house now. Anyway, you know, God's been good. Bought a house, bigger house, you know, and, and, and it's it's all good. The family life is good. Great. Challenging and hard, and you learn from it. You know, but yeah, it's good. Yeah. And and speaking about things getting bigger and being blessed, perhaps you could just spend a minute or two and tell us about the work that you're involved with with Renewal Northwest. Yeah, yeah. Renewal is a charity called Renewal Northwest. I remember Wesley telling me this one day, one of the council men, one of the big wiggy men he was talking to one day, he said, uh, Wesley, he said, you're the most, the most unpolitically correct uh, charity ever do because we have no no qualms about it right up over there is bringing hope through Jesus Christ because that's what Renewal Not Less is about it, it takes not just characters like me but that that we, we will take lads from prison backgrounds and drug backgrounds and we have a house at, at the moment it's it's in a it's it's in limbo at the moment, really, yeah. of, of wanting to, because we want to do that. We want to take 
Wardy's guys, Wesley's physical lads regular and there's loads of people around the country started doing prison ministries that are, they've got streams of lads waiting to come on, lads that are getting saved in prison and need to come and you know what I mean, like me, but at the moment, but then God's in control of that. Yeah. So they have a vision and we all have the vision of it, of, of having a bigger place where we could get, you know, 10 people in a house discipling them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe not have them at renewal for six months and just, just get them Bible into them, pour it into them and disciple them. Because that's the thing. If you're coming out from jail, especially as a believer, if you're being saved, it's hard for somebody and they need to be around Christians because the world is full of madness and chaos and it's easy to go back into. So, and not just with that, that it's always about Jesus Christ. That's yeah. what it's about. But, at renewal, we have plenty of believers, but there's non-believers in there, you know. But we have a Bible time every morning, and it's great. I love watching them because they come in for us, and they're all dubious. But, you know, they take part <laughs> after a while. They start singing them because they realize we, we have no inhibitions, and we sing and talk about the Lord over here. So, and people have been saved through the work, and there's lots more things. And then you get lads. What, what I love to see is when you get some people coming in down there, and this is not a spiritual thing in a way, but it is because God's working in that. You know what I mean? Where they come in with Tim and the Shines, the society is just broken and down, and maybe they've been drinkers. I've had lots of lads like that come in where all they done was the whole day and then just drank beer. They yeah. there, there all day smoking green, sitting in flats. You can't condemn them for it because... <laughs> I've done enough of it myself, you know what I mean? But then that was the whole cycle. And then they started to work at renewal where, and they have, some of them have good skill level. Some of them have come in and they start fixing washing machines. Some of them have good computer skills. Or then you'll get someone that come in with no skills at yeah. all. You know what I mean? Beat down by life, hated and despised. You know what I mean? Bad lives, bad mothers, bad fathers to them, drinkers, whatever, you know broken people and they come in and they do something like fix a table or, yeah. or something you know very mundane to us or whatever but you want to see when they do it and you praise them for it and they're walking around the crowd and then you watch them from being shy and not speaking to, to coming out of themselves and having a laugh and joke fixing things and trying more things and that that's what renewal is all it's all about bringing home through Jesus Christ is about serving the community. And, you know, God is blessing the world. Yeah. Totally and utterly blessing the world. Every time we've took on something more, we took it on in faith. You know, I give Wesley his dues, and he's took on some jumps. You know, we pray about these things, bring them to the Lord. And if God wants that to stop, he'll shut the door. And if he, if he doesn't want it, he'll open the door. Yeah. And he'll fund it, and he'll do everything else. But... For us as believers, you know, we have to believe that God is able, and He is, because He showed us thousands of times at renewal, you mean how how He is. So you just got to step out of faith, isn't it, and do it. Yeah, yeah. So renewal, renewal's really, really good. Well, what I'll do is in the notes for the podcast, I'll I'll put a link to the to the website and to the video, so, renewal, so yeah. people can yeah. have a look. It's very interesting. I've been privileged yeah. to to see some of it myself, and it's mm. a real encouragement. Yeah. So just just to, before we finish, I always ask one question to end, and it's this: 
which Bible verse or passage has spoken to you most, whether that's leading up to becoming a Christian or since you become a Christian, have you got a, a Bible verse or passage that really has impacted you? Well, the, the biggest one is the one I've told you. I read there's, there's loads of passages where God God has spoken to me. I'll tell you a little one because I've told you that verse. I read <laughs> uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and I told the story. But I, I'll tell you another day where I'm not great at where I pull up. It's in the Psalms. I think it's Psalm 51. Okay. But I was reading, uh, I was, I've had a horrible day at the mill. I was living at Wes and Allison's at the time. And nobody would have knew it, but you know, I, I, just a bad day. I had a wrong attitude and everything was going on. You know, one of just one of those days and I was spiritually low. And I remember going home or back to Wes's. I was down in the basement and Allison was cooking tea. So I was waiting for that. I knew I'd had a bad day, and I knew I'd let the law down with the thought process and, and the tone of what things. I wasn't, didn't, wasn't bad on anybody, but I know yeah. my mind wasn't right that day, and I, I just wasn't right. I couldn't wait to get away from the new and just get home. And I remember getting home and, and, and reading, and I think it is, it's a bogey shot for, oh, I can't even think of the verse now. Ah, oh, do you know what? It's gone, Dan. Sorry. That's, that's okay. Um, well, I'll tell you what I do. If you if you um find it and text us it, then I'll just put it in after. I'll just edit it in. That's not a problem. Yeah. That's the one. It's it's either Psalm 37 or 51. I'll tell you the reason why, because I'm, I'm not great at remembering the verses, but what it was was God was showing me that day, Dan, you see, that, yeah, you did fall, but what you done was the right thing. You got on your knees and you confessed it to me because when I got on my knees and confessed that, that's when I got up and I began to read that and that Sam came and that jumped straight out. Though he shall fall, he shall not be utterly to do me and yeah. whatever. It's amazing that I can't even think of the verse now. <laughs> probably because I'm put on the spot. Yeah, it happens, yeah. happens to us yeah, all, don't worry. That, that's the verse and and I knew that and I thought to myself, wow, that was God directly speaking to me. And he's saying, well, look, you've done the right thing. You got on your knees. You confessed that nobody else knew about it, but I did. But that's all I wanted to do was just to confess it to me. And though he shall fall, he shall not be utterly cast out. Basically, that's what it was. And I knew that that was God saying to me, you've done the right thing, man. Yeah. Now get up. You're all right. Well, that's it, Dan. Well, thank you very much for sharing your testimony, Robbie. That's great. Yeah, no problem, bro. Okay. Yeah, and I'll I'll be in touch. Thank you for listening to Testimony. If you have any suggestions as to who would make a good interview, then please get in touch at testimonypodcast at outlook.com or find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you. redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.